0: February 7th,
1: 2019. Wow, right now in the sports world, the NBA trade deadline has been dominating the news. We are going to cover that. We're going to get all to that. As uh, Cousin Sal would say, I am an NBA hole. So uh, very happy that we'll have a big NBA episode coming up with Alex Regla from uh, Silver Screen and Roll. He's going to be joining us and we can talk a lot about Lakers and really everything. But we'll focus more on the Lakers with him, Mike. And then Saad Yousef from the Athletic. DFW will be joining us, but before we get into all the basketball, because we'll talk for, about it for quite some time, we have about 10 or 15 minutes, Mike, let's put a nice bow on that NFL season, we had a season with so much scoring, so much excitement, some really good games down the stretch, and then, and then a kind of a stinker of a Super Bowl for the most part, the game was actually close,
2: uh, the defense has both played well, but just, get, just give us some of your overall thoughts of, uh, of what we saw in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts to share. But before we get into that, Gino and I were just talking before we came on the air with just all the hoopla surrounding the Super Bowl and everything. We wanted to circle back up and look to see who won the contest, the pick'em contest for the NFL playoffs ending with the Super Bowl. Gino, the winner, uncontested, not tied, with an 8-3 and record and 92 points. Joe McDowell, K's Hope, one of our most loyal listeners. Look at Joe. Yeah. Congrats, Joe. Nice. uh, That's very cool. Much props to him. So good work. Uh, Excited to have you come on. Tell us how you kind of broke down the playoffs and you had a remarkable run. So good good. work there. To piggyback on your uh, your point
1: is that we are going to have – over the next few weeks, some of our contest winners coming on in the final segment, uh, we can introduce them. They can come on talk about whatever sports, just what make them be a sports fan, how they won the contest little things. So next week, I believe we already have one coming on uh, with Bob. He's going to be coming on. He wants to talk some Kentucky Derby preps and maybe a little MLB spring training. So uh, I already talked to him getting that segment set up. And then we have a couple others uh, that will be in the following week. So, Um, lots of fun as we set things up because yeah, football dominates our show so often. And now without football, the next uh, we'll uh, we're setting things up. We'll have a lot of basketball. We mentioned talking a a little game of Thrones in a couple months. Maybe we'll have some college basketball as March madness
2: comes a little closer. We can talk. Yeah. And I was actually asked when is the next uh, contest that we're, that we're going to be putting forth and, we, we, you know, March Madness is definitely like yep. an annual t- contest type thing. Maybe we'll kind of sit down and try to figure out maybe a, a road to the Kentucky Derby, Derby prep, something like that. Because sure. I know there's a lot of horse racing uh, listeners that are out there as well. So we'll keep them coming. We'll uh, we'll make things entertaining and interesting uh, for all of the listeners to kind of get together and try to beat the hosts and, and beat maybe some of our uh, expert guests, uh, a lot of the TVG guys, a lot of the athletic guys, the parlay queen, et cetera. Let's get back to the Super Bowl, though. So you kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, very ironic. Lowest scoring Super Bowl, highest scoring season. How about right. that for, right. uh, for, you know? So, and it wasn't uh, even like the teams we we expected it from.
1: We thought these teams would go up and down. They both have good defenses, but the, that's the thing. The defenses did play very well. There was just like no flow, no rhythm, really on
2: either side. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to award some MVPs, and they're not okay. limited to just the players. Sure. Um, so I'm going to start with the ending, the end of the game. The Pats really found a way. They gashed the Rams on the ground to seal yep. the deal. They kind of rammed it, uh, excuse the pun, down their throats to seal that game. They went old school, went with that 22 personnel. I saw eye formation with offset tight end, and I don't know if the if the Rams were just deflated uh, by that point, but they weren't tired, stopping maybe, the yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit tired, uh, they just weren't able to stop the run. And and so that's how the Patriots were able to seal the game. But let's go to the Rams side. To me, the Rams MVP was Wade Phillips. Oh, 100 percent. He went back and forth between that man and zone, made it really hard on, on, on Brady. And, like you said, to get any kind of rhythm in the passing game. And the LVP on the opposite side is probably
1: Sean McVay. You know, and he, he he's kind of self, self-proclaimed self because it was just one of those things where they didn't really make any adjustments. And even the things that were going well for them, play action when there was no huddle. Because I think when when Goff didn't have a lot of time to think, when he just was out there starting to play, and like we said, get in a little bit of a rhythm, that was the only time, a couple of times, where we saw the Rams somewhat move the ball. But it was some things they were always going to scratch our head about too. Can you imagine like in baseball or in in basketball in particular, like if, you know, James Harden in game seven of the NBA finals only played like 15 minutes of the game and, and there was no like real explanation as to why. And that was what happened with Gurley <laughs> again. And it's like, we're still not getting any injury. We're just getting like, Oh yeah, it wasn't really, I mean, that's a head scratcher. It's just, he, there, he, he had a couple runs where he, one of the runs was actually graded the fastest play by any player on the field. But there was just there's something weird with this whole girly thing the last few weeks of the season.
2: Yeah, and 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 like you said, I think the NBA press, uh, is is maybe a little bit more. What's Well, even word? in baseball, could you imagine if like Mookie? No, I can't imagine it. Mookie I, Betts wasn't playing in
1: Game Seven, and it was just like, ah, no big deal. He's not starting, or no, you know, no. I don't yes. think the
2: press would, would let them get away with it. That's so weird. I don't understand how. And maybe it's just because, you know, L.A., you know, it's not like the East Coast press for the Red Sox or Yankees or the Knicks or in, or the, even the Patriots. I don't know if that's the excuse, but I don't know how they're letting the Rams get away with a non-answer because the reality of it is I had my own theories. I was speculating a little bit. I thought maybe it was something where y- you don't want to sit out a game if you have a hurt finger. But let's face it, if, if like, let's say your index finger is is hurt that may be an excuse for how his uh the ball went through his hands um uh, on that play against the saints right into the linebackers hands maybe why he had that drop um you know it didn't seem like he was looking upfield and trying to turn it loose maybe there's something hurting hurting him but i had to scratch that theory out because he had two full weeks two full weeks should be plenty for a finger to heal up is it his knee from back in the georgia days Is this a slump? I've never heard of a running back slump. It's weird. I mean, he was the offensive. Is there a running back slump? I don't even know. Until he got hurt,
1: he was the offensive MVP of the season that wasn't a quarterback. I mean, you could say Mahomes and Breeze. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. But even from, like, a fantasy perspective, he was so dominant and just automatic. Getting into the end zone a couple times, you're going to get, like, six or seven grabs, like, catches from him out of the backfield. You got none of that. Where were the little flank passes? You know, it was just really head scratching, and like he did for a coach who got so much uh, praise this year, and there were so many people wanting the next Sean McVay and the clone. And I, I love him, and I'm not, you know, like th- in any way saying he he's done. But this happens a lot of time when you're young, and he just he did seem shell shocked. We just didn't see any adjustments, like nothing really creative. It was real, and you know we can't let Goff off the hook either. He he oh, was no. no, he wasn't good in any in any shape or fo- way shape. No, or and fo- I you know. know the
2: Rams fans aren't going to like me saying this, but um, I was I wasn't high on Goff coming out of No, me, me neither. Uh, and he, I wasn't he's high better on him. Than, much better than I thought he would have ever been. So he far. was like, almost a bust, right? Uh, yeah. in the Fisher days, and then sure. and then McVay found a way to kind of resurrect him. I kind of equated similarly to what Harbaugh was able to do with Alex Smith right? Mm-hmm. Remarkable turnaround. You had this first round quarterback who wasn't really doing much with the 49ers. And then Alex Smith becomes really serviceable quarterback. Um, I hope that McVay is able to do that with him. But for right now, I'm not bullish on him. That second half of the season was really, really bad. Maybe what that I, has a lot to do with losing, you know, your go-to receiver. Cup, you and know? then Gurley, those are your your and, and, safety blankets. Posed, exactly. You know? So we'll have to wait and see. But The Um, only thing
1: that made me somewhat counter, because I I was with you, I did not like the fact that they moved up to get him. I never thought much of him as a a USC guy watching him play against USC. I never thought like this is necessarily an, an NFL franchise quarterback. I was impressed with how good he's been the last couple of years through the regular season. And what I really was impressed with was in the New Orleans game. When they were down, he actually played very well when they were down thirteen nothing and in the second half of the game to come back because, you know, everyone's gonna remember that game for the bad call and maybe the Saints should have been the team in the Super Bowl and this and that, but it, it really wasn't on golf. It actually was Breeze late who made the mistake and kind of let the Rams win that game. So I, I do think that there's something there. But sure. it, he's obviously not a finished product. So I, I think, you know, I, I'm I'm not necessarily with you. I'm I'm you know, both sides of the fence a little bit here. He's better than I thought he would be. And I still think there's something there to work on.
2: I just think young. Like you've you haven't given up on him yet. No. You, you no. still think there's a chance. Yeah, I'm not that high on him, but you know, we'll see. I th- I I do think that good coaching a lot of times can disguise uh, you Your, know maybe not having a top tier quarterback and you could still win games and so on and so forth. So we'll have to wait and see. And I, just, I have a lot more thoughts about this, but I know we want to get to some NBA talk first, perhaps. Yeah, let's uh let's bring in one
1: of our older friends and our NBA guests, and we love to talk to him about the Lakers in particular. Alex Regla, who covers the Lakers for um, at Lakers SBN on Twitter, silverscreenandroll.com dot com, and also the B Ball Index. Alex, trade deadline, man, the last couple of weeks have been crazy. The Lakers were in so many rumors back and forth, but after the dust has settled, just a couple small moves for the Lakers. Um, what a what are your overall thoughts about this crazy trade deadline?
3: <laughs> Thanks for having me on again, you guys. Uh, yeah, not the moves that I think a lot of Lakers fans probably wanted to see. Like, Anthony Davis didn't land with L.A. But uh, I think a lot of people kind of assumed that wasn't going to be the case with the, the small window there to make a trade. But um, uh, the moves they did make, I mean, they made sense. Like, the Lakers are one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. And with a guy like Reggie Bullock, who's been really good from from behind the arc last year and then this year. I, I think he feels an immediate need for the team. And it, uh, Mike Muscala also. Uh, the Lakers ha- have three centers, basically. Uh, Tyson Chandler, JaVale McGee, now Zubats, who just got traded. But all basically play the same, similar role. I mean, they're both all three kind of big, uh, kind of low-post guys. But with uh, Muscala, the Lakers finally get a guy who kind of spread the floor for the perimeter guys. And the team has kind of missed that since Brooke left.
1: And, you know, it's, it's been a little frustrating for, um, as a Laker fan. And, you know, it's you, you're someone who covers the Lakers. I think a, the, the narrative um, kind of nationwide is the Lakers are not liked for the most part. One. Uh, and two, what I don't, I, we hear a lot of negatives on the Lakers, but I think a lot of people are forgetting that this group win pretty healthy was beating up on the Warriors when LeBron went down, and they were in the fourth spot, like not far out of the third spot. I don't think this was a team anyone thought was going to beat the Warriors, but, you know, you still look at the standings right now. Everybody's kind of giving up, but they're not far out of being able to make a little bit of noise.
3: No, I mean, they're only about like game and a half or two games, depending on how tonight's game goes from that last final playoff spot, would still... 20-ish games left to go, and then the Clippers ahead of them made some pretty big trades that kind of signal maybe the playoffs aren't their number one priority this year. But, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, the the injuries have been really unfortunate. The timing have been really unfortunate. And like you said, when they were healthy, they were uh, near fourth place and possibly getting home court for the playoffs. So I think that's what the front office are banking on, that once guys get back healthy, LeBron kind of settles back in, that they could kind of kick things back into gear again and make it run for the playoffs, and as we've seen, whenever you get LeBron in the playoffs, you always have a chance. And if they get matched up with Denver or Houston, I, I I still like the Lakers' odds with LeBron.
2: Alex, before we move on from the AD situation, you know, am I wrong here to think that there's a possibility that the Pelicans really never had an intention to trade him to the Lakers? That maybe they wanted to purposely, you know, disrupt as a means of maybe getting revenge against the Lakers yeah. for what they view it as tampering. Um, it, that's part one of the question. Part two of the question is what the hell's going on with the Pelicans? It seems like <laughs> they uh, have their, is it, I mean, do they really have their, the NFL front office kind of pulling the, the, the strings here? So two part question. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, that, that's, that's the rumor that the Pelicans maybe never really seriously considered trading with the Lakers and they kind of leaked out all these proposals the media trying to get in the young guy's heads like Lonzo and Ingram and Kuzman. in, in some ways it worked. Like we saw against Indiana, those guys were rattled and like, you know, LeVar ball reappeared into the media and started making comments. And if this stuff didn't go public, that possibly doesn't happen. And, you know, they kind of just float along, but uh, I, I It's hard to tell what new Orleans is doing. It sounds like they're waiting for the summer and thing try to get Boston involved, New York, See whoever lands that number one overall pick, and then try to get the best offer from there. But in terms of what who's running the show there, I, I, I know they're, I It's kind of hard to tell what Dell Demps is doing, and basically what they're looking for in a return because of the proposals the Lakers, you know, were offering. I mean, that seemed pretty substantial for yeah. for a guy who is basically going to be an expiring in a year. So I, I think the Pelicans definitely did not want to trade with the Lakers before seeing what Boston can offer or New York can offer. And they don't want to, they, they, I'm sure they rubbed the wrong way with how things went with rich Paul and clutch and just everything involving the Lakers. And this is a third straight year where the Lakers name has been involved with big name players and being their number one preference. And those teams just decide not to deal with the Lakers and trading them somewhere else.
1: Yeah, the Lakers are disliked so much throughout the league and then LeBron and his camp is so polarizing. And when you put the LeBron and the Lakers together, it's like there's so many people that just are like, no, thank you. We don't we don't even want to deal with you. So for me now, a big game coming up, Alex, in you know just about an hour or so. The Lakers are at Boston. And I just got a weird feeling now that with the trade deadline done, a lot of these guys are going to relax a little bit because they know, okay, hey, we have, like you said, 20, 25 games left. We're trying to make a playoff run here. Let's get into the playoffs and make some noise. And who knows what's going to happen after that? But you know, with these kids now, that they're here for the rest of the year, and we know Boston uh, is a team that LeBron has always played well against. I just got a feeling they're going to play well tonight. How do you think the kids are going to respond tonight after just getting shellacked the other night, and and now the trade deadline over?
3: Yeah, I I would expect them to come out a lot better than they did against Indiana. Like I, obviously, when you when your names your names are in the trade rumors, so so deliberately and so for so long that it, it can weigh on you. And you can tell in that game in Indiana, they felt tense. They they weren't as energized from the tip. And I feel now that they have some reassurance that they're at least going to make it to the summer as a Laker and they can just focus on the playoffs. And
4: this could be their first
3: playoffs that they, they end up making it. So a lot of these young guys, so they've been on losing teams and since they've been drafted to the Lakers. So I, I think they're excited about making a run for the playoffs and then kind of proving their worth in the playoffs. Because if you see your name... Attached to five other players and four other picks for one guy, it probably isn't the greatest thing for your confidence. And knowing that your teammate probably would rather trade you for a star like Anthony Davis, so I, I'm sure these guys are gonna once once healthy, they're gonna try to show out and and prove that they you know they belong in this league.
2: Hey, Alex, do you make anything of uh, LeBron's body language and his positioning on the bench the other night? Was it distancing himself from his teammates in case they are traded? or is it kind of uh, more of a distancing myself from this score because I'm not this type of player? Do you make anything of that, or is that much ado about nothing?
3: Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was probably a little overblown. Just the timing of it was really bad, and just the visual of it looked really bad considering all the rumors that day. And yeah. At that point, that the Lakers cleared their bench, and guys like Mo Wagner and, uh, and Steve Mikhailuk, entered and those usually are the seats where those guys sit. So once they got up, LeBron didn't scoot over and it just left that big gap on the bench <laughs> yeah. visually. He, he's usually <laughs>
1: down there on the end too because he has like a special seat, right? And like he has a little bit yeah. more. So but it just he it the was cushion <laughs> seat. It was bad. It was bad, yeah. oh <laughs> uh, well yeah, uh, Alec timing could it have been worse. <laughs> Alex, we'll uh, we'll let you go because we know you're gonna be watching that Lakers game coming up in just a few minutes. and uh, hopefully we can talk to you now a few more times. Uh, and hopefully we'll be talking about good stuff in Lakerland and maybe some uh, some playoff previews because as much as they have to really play well, like you said, they're they're really playing against the teams in front of them. So, you know, mm-hmm. they they just have to play a little bit better than the Kings and a little bit better than the Clippers, you know. And we at uh, San Antonio and Utah. I don't know how much I really trust them. I wouldn't shock to see be to see the Lakers jump up and as you mentioned, if they can get somewhere 7 or 6 would be the key number, try to avoid playing the Warriors and I'll take a shot against the, you know the Nuggets or even Oklahoma City or Houston, one of them.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, if you have LeBron on your team and guy Guys get healthy and everyone starts to gel. on these these acquisitions, Bullock and uh, Muscala, if they can finally add some spacing to the to the floor, you never know what this team looks like because we never we have really been able to see what this team looks like fully healthy. And maybe once they're fully healthy, they actually look a lot better than they have all season.
1: Alex, let us know where can we find you online. Uh, give us your Twitter and your plugs.
3: Yeah, uh, you guys can find me on Alex M. Regla at Twitter, and then my work is at Silver Screen Roll and also at the B Ball Index.
1: Alex Regla, thank you very much, buddy. Let's go Lakers tonight. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Alex. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good stuff. Uh, Time for a quick break. When we return, we'll continue on the NBA conversation, and Saad Yousef will be joining us in just a few. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, you shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
0: Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Wanna play the ponies? <laughs> Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Leemond Williams. Each week, join Limont as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at one 346 9144 That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeavetiershow dot Now back to this week's program. We are back here on the Mike Avetier Show, and uh, that was funny, Mike, as we were in the commercial break saying
1: goodbye to Alex. He was telling us in the uh, All Star Game that LeBron picked uh, Kawhi and Kyrie on his team, um, and you know, and it's going to be great. There's just going to be so much buzz now over the uh, the next. You so know, who's, the, who's the other captain? Okay, let's see. Uh, it was Giannis. Yeah, Giannis. Okay. So I'll, I'll pull up the, the teams in just a second. But we have Saad coming up uh, coming up in a minute. So, yeah, LeBron's team is LeBron, Durant, Harden, Kyrie, Kawhi, LaMarcus, Aldridge, Beal, Anthony Davis, Damian Lothier, Ben Simmons, and Clay Thompson, and, which is great because those are all the guys that are, like, even Durant, a little bit, but Kyrie, Kawhi, Davis and Clay are all the guys that are like rumored for the Lakers as possible guys, you know, in the future. And then Team Giannis is Curry, Embiid, Paul George, Kemba Walker, Blake Griffin, Nikola uh, Jokic, Lowry, Middleton, Dirk, and Victor Oladipo.
2: I wonder if Uh, if there's some head coaches out there that are kind of like. Yeah, I, I gotta wonder if there's some head coaches that are like, you know, I don't really don't like this format because it's weird. They, they, it's they definitely get to weird. Spend a couple of days together and kind of form coalitions, yeah. and alliances. It, it's weird. It might, oh. I mean, they, that can happen if it's East versus West, but when they're picking and stuff, it seems like there could be a little bit more friendly of an environment. I don't know. I wouldn't like it if I'm a head coach and I'm what about you, to maybe lose somebody.
1: Yeah. So, like, what are you from, like, an agent's perspective, like? This is getting pretty crazy, isn't it? In the NBA how like these guys and like some of these powerful um companies and like agencies are able to just kind of speak th- this stuff and like start the ru- all the rumors on all the sides like Lowe saying this and you got Shams saying this and you don't know who this information or if any of it is true, any of the stuff that's being released. I mean, this has been in the last couple weeks. It's obviously because of, you know, Twitter and Instagram and so much social media. It's even more highlighted than ever before but man this year in particular and even it started a couple weeks ago it's funny doesn't it feel like the Porzingis trade was like a year ago yeah that's why we're gonna have Sod on to talk a little bit about that with the Dallas but it's like there's so much that's happened just since then. I,
2: yeah, you know, and, and when, you, when you ask in terms of the agent's perspective, I really can't speak to it because there's nothing like it in the NFL. Really? I know, it's crazy. In the NBA, I mean, first of all, every player is worth like five or six NFL guys, right? But the impact that they have is even much more substantial and much greater than that. Any one guy on a roster, you know, every NBA player everything. seems sure. to be like, it's, it's like they have five quarterbacks per team. Sure. You know, that's the no. impact that it has media-wise and everything. So, you know, it's... Yeah, it's pretty mind-boggling how that happens, and there's probably nobody that's – there's no athlete in American sports that's more powerful than the NBA athletes, whether it be social movements, whether that be to to command uh, a certain value or – which team they want to play on. When's the last thing we've heard an NFL guy saying, I want to play on this team or that team. And like team. demanding that. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't it's happen. So. Not
1: even really in baseball that no. much. No, I mean, like occasionally you'll have a guy, like you'll just expect that this guy is going to go to the Yankees or this one's going to go somewhere when they're the contracts. But it, it just, it, it, it's bizarre. It, it really is. I mean, when you go through the league and you see, and you just go through like each team and you see how much has changed on that team, uh, I saw something today that said Brandon Ingram is the longest tenured Laker right now. Wow. Which is hilarious. That is hilarious. You know? To think about. The, sure. And, and you know. See,
2: keep in mind the differences in, in, in terms of the leagues, also, though. There, there's huge, huge differences. Obviously, in the NFL, there's no guaranteed contracts, and we yeah. can spend hours on that alone. But in baseball, y- you have minor league systems. So trades are really, really impactful for the future because yep. of the minor league systems. And the NBA it seems like a lot of it is about moving money around, dead money, bad contracts, expiring, yeah, contracts, a lot of expiring contracts, cap space, creating cap space. space. All, yep, all that kind of stuff. And and so each sport has an entirely different dynamic, and that's why we we see almost no trades in the NFL. Really, maybe you know one or two when big you ones see one, every it's like, third oh. year. Yeah, it's the
1: biggest trade ever. It's yeah, always exactly. that way because there's so few. Yeah, exactly.
2: It is. Where and and then baseball obviously makes a lot of sense because each team has has a farm system. So you know it's um, and, and so each sport is so different. That's why when people ask me to. To, you know, I put on my agent's hat. I'm like, hey, it's a different ballgame. It's a different business entirely. It's like asking a heart surgeon, uh, you know, about podiatry. You know, he knows the body, but it's just a different body part entirely. It's not his specialty. It's not his area of expertise. So, um, you know, that's what I, I think that's also what makes the NBA have so much appeal nowadays is the rumor mill. And it is like a soap opera. It really is really funny because even like as a fan, you know, and I sit back and I'm not a huge NBA guy, but when I sit back and I look at it, I'm like, you know, it seems like so many people, fans, fan bases, the media, they're more worried about what's happening in a year or next summer or the summer after that and not enjoying the current season. Sometimes I'm like, why not enjoy the present? We're always thinking ahead. What might happen? What could happen? And one of those guys that's on top of a lot of the, the rumor mill um, and, and, and his, the team that he covers has been involved in quietly, probably one of the, maybe the biggest trades so far, uh, leading up to this trade do- deadline that's addressed by our next guest here, Sad Youssef from the athletic Dallas Fort Worth area, it covers the Mavs, covers the Cowboys, covers, it covers it all really in terms of Dallas sports. Sad, good afternoon. Hey, Saad. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm
4: doing good. Thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely. Well, there's so many different things that I want to address with you, even a, a little bit of a cow, Cowboys talk, but let's start with the, uh, the biggie, the Porzingis trade and um, just kind of walk us through. Did you see that coming? I didn't hear a peep about it. It seems like they, uh, they, they kind of emerged out of, out of nowhere and became a player in that. And w- what are your thoughts about the trade overall moving forward into the future of the Mavs with their one-two punch?
4: Yeah, so I, I don't think anybody saw this coming uh, as far as the Porzingis trade happening right now. Uh, Donnie Nelson, actually, we talked to him a few minutes, uh, a few hours ago here, and uh, something he said was, you know, in Luca's progression and having an unprecedented rookie year really changed a lot as far as the approach the Mavs were going to take. Um, if he just went through the normal rookie struggles, the normal rookie year, maybe they don't pull off this kind of a blockbuster trade right now. But given just the talent that he has and the showcase that he's been on, um, it made it all that much imminent for uh, for the Porzingis trade to happen. And then I, for that trade to happen, I think a lot of things had to fall the way they did. And, I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. being unhappy here, um, the Knicks, uh, if we all remember a couple years ago, the Knicks were between Frank Nelokina and Dennis Smith Jr. So it just happened to be the perfect situation uh, for everything to happen, and then that trade went down, and as far as the long term uh, in his press conference uh, Christophs was very direct in saying that you know he has he has the or i should say Mark Cuban spoke on christoph 's behalf and said he was he plans to have him here for the long term, and you don 't give up as much as the Mavs gave up just so Christoph Porzingis can play a year on a qualifying offer that's not that 's not what what 's in the plans and so um you know Mark Cuban said. Unprompted, without anybody asking, uh, that he plans to have Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis together for the next twenty years. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think I think for the foreseeable future, that's uh, very possible.
2: And is is this trade warmly received in the Dallas area? Are they kind of? I know they're just, they're just getting over the uh, Cowboys' loss, but um, are, are they kind of getting into what could be?
4: Absolutely, I, I think warmly received would be a massive understatement. The, the hype and Excitement around the AAC just with mask fans. Um, I actually, I actually saw a mask fan yesterday in a uh, Tyson Chandler shirt uh, that just crossed out Chandler and put Porzingis, which, which is kind (laughs) of funny. And so there's, there's a lot of hype. People can't wait for him to get on the court here. Um, And just, I, I think there's multiple aspects to it. I think the fit with Luca is definitely fantastic, but also. Um, and, and, you know, the trade that happened last night with Harrison Barnes, this just opens so much as far as the potential goes for another piece that gets added on, whether that's someone they pursue, like, or the, um, Orlando magic, uh, Vucevic, someone like that. Um, but this, this just gives a very attractive destination for all the free agents, which the Mavs really haven't had in quite a while.
1: What do you think overall, just about what we've seen, uh, Um, some years it's been very quiet, but that was not the case this year. There were some big players moved, some all-stars that were moved, and even just, I don't want to say a power shift, but when you look at the West versus the East right now, I think after Golden State, you know, Denver's played very well, but but it's hard to to really know how good they are because we haven't seen them in a playoff run. It really is Golden State and everyone else. When you look on the East, it seems like they have a top, four teams that are pretty good out there with some of the movement
4: yeah absolutely and I think Toronto Toronto is going to really I think give uh, Golden State a pretty good challenge in the NBA finals if that is the matchup there because that starting five is just incredible right now and so I think I think honestly when it comes to the starters um, I'm not going to say that they're right there with Golden State I mean after they uh, Golden State has Boogie and Steph and KD but But on the same token, the depth is going to play a factor there. And I think Toronto can actually match up with Golden State quite well. So that's definitely going to be interesting. The Milwaukee Bucks and what they did has just been incredible in getting Giannis the help that he needs. And uh, Boston, I think the most, you know, with Boston, I think they're a good team right now. Everything, for them, the biggest win of the trade deadline was the fact that Anthony Davis did get dealt. So they're now prime players in that sweepstakes once the summer hits.
2: You know, I thought that there was one one trade that didn't get necessarily a lot of hype until LeBron started talking, which is a uh, Harrison Barnes. Whether it was, uh, you know, whether he knew about it, saw it coming or not, uh, happened uh, mid game perhaps. But I kind of find it uh, very ironic that LeBron will—he you know, made it a point to say, "I'm not criticizing like Cuban and the Mavs per se, but more so the industry, no loyalty. Where's the loyalty type calling out?" But. What about him and wanting to basically get rid of all his teammates and ship them all to, to uh, the Pelicans? Uh, what did you make of all that?
4: Well, it was interesting because uh, you said that it didn't draw a lot of attention to LeBron. And the reason why is because pretty much anybody with, I would say, a- any bit of information with the Mavericks knew that this trade was coming. It wasn't a matter of if it was or when. Donnie Nelson actually said it himself today. He felt that this trade was going to materialize. At the deadline, it just so happened to be the night before. Um, I was on the radio here, in, locally in Dallas, uh, hosting a show, and and on 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 Tuesday, and and literally all we talked about was how Harrison Barnes was going to go to Sacramento. That was just a foregone conclusion. We just didn't know when it was going to happen. And so, you know, LeBron's comments, I th- I found I just kind of chuckled that a little bit because of the same reasons that you just said. Um, LeBron has made it a point to uh, play general manager quite a bit throughout his career, and and uh, loyalty doesn't always I guess play the play the primary um, you know aspect of his decisions not only with his teammates but even with himself. so um, I I don't think I I agree with LeBron to an extent I don't think that we should be judging players differently because we do see when the Mavericks need uh, salary cap space all of a sudden they're dumping Harrison Barnes the guy two years ago they deemed the a worthy uh, successor for uh, Dirk Nowitzki and then Luka comes around and all of a sudden the loyalty from the Mavericks to Harrison Barnes is gone and so um, I agree with LeBron at that part it's just it's just funny what the, that is coming from LeBron's mouth.
1: Yeah and, and uh, as a, a Laker fan it's going to be interesting now to see how things play out because I think w- a couple things in their favor one in particular that the teams in front of the Lakers trying to get into the playoffs, one of them is the Clippers, and they looked like they kind of made uh, some plans for the future, kind of stockpiling some picks and some access to maybe go all in and try to get some of these big free agents in the next couple years. So that might be a positive for the Lakers and their opportunity to get in, but this is one of those things where, it could really go either way with this team and and a lot of these young guys and how players respond now that the trade deadline is over. And just kind of, how do you think a team like the Lakers that has a a lot of young pieces will respond now? Because they know they're safe for the rest of the year, but they were just kind of shellacked in the media for the last week or two talking about how none of them are really going to be a future all-star and how good is this package and we can't get six or seven players together for one. It could really be... I think one of two ways. I mean, really, either extreme.
4: Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with that, and I think it was a very interesting strategy done by the Pelicans because, and I don't have any insight in the Anthony Davis situation, obviously here in Dallas, but um, it just seems like the Pelicans weren't really serious about moving him to LA, and so they just kind of like threw that out there, and and then and then you see all of these young players' names being thrown around in the media. All of a sudden, the Lakers. It might hurt them. The Pelicans, by the way, are four and a half games behind the Lakers um, in, in the standings. So I don't know how much of a push they're going to be trying to uh, try to make for the playoffs. But I, I think that I think anytime you're, you have LeBron James on your team, you just kind of have to soak it in and know that things can change anytime. time. And I think for the young players, it's a good learning experience. Look, that's the that's just the truth about the NBA. And you know. I'll bring it back to Dallas in in this sense that three years ago, um, DeAndre Jordan was extremely coveted by Dallas. The Mavericks wanted him. The fan base wanted him. Then they finally get him three years later, and then he's a salary cap dump. You know, that's just kind of the (laughs) nature of the NBA. And so, like, I, I think the players have to understand that this really is just a business. You could be loved Look, a year ago, Dennis Smith Jr. was seen as like this phenomenal rookie who had a great year, Then Luca comes around, and now all of a sudden there's questions about his fit. So NBA, whether whether it's LeBron or not, look, these guys would have went through these kind of talks at some point in their career anyways. It's best that they just got out of the way um, in their first couple years.
2: You know, another situation that made me chuckle a little bit, I wish we could spend more time on it, is how uh, Durant, doesn't like questions you know, 30 million dollars <laughs> and he just wants to go to the gym and, and play basketball you know gino and i were talking about it before you came on it seems like nba players the power that they've got is is greater and stronger than ever before but before we let you go i wanted to shift gears really quickly and ask about dak prescott um what's the word over there contractually speaking is he going to get that mega deal what are your thoughts and what are you hearing
4: I don't think he's going to get a mega deal quite yet, and I think that's because he he's a player that they can actually wait to give it to. Um, they have they have orders of business they have to take care of first, and the primary first person to take care of is Demarcus Lawrence. So they have to take care of him. Then they have Amari Cooper. They have Byron Jones coming up. They have so many of these guys that are expiring before Dak. I don't think it's I don't think Dak not getting a contract extension says anything about how much faith they have in them because the Cowboys fully expect Dak Prescott to be the quarterback for the next 15 years in Dallas. But I think it's just a logistics thing where right now is just not the right time um, to dole out that kind of money. But, you know, it's going to be very interesting what happens here in Dallas in the next year because Jason Garrett didn't get a contract extension. And so, uh, and then John Kinnab being the quarterback coach, I think is going to help Dak a lot. But a lot of what happens this year is going to speak a lot to Dak Prescott's future, as far as just how much money he makes and stuff like that, because if he's proved to be a quarterback who doesn't really thrive that much, then the Cowboys have leverage to say, look, we'll go get you more help, but we can't pay you all this money. And so then Dak Prescott has a, has a decision to make. And, you know, financially it's interesting because look, Dak Prescott's not going to get on all these commercials and all this stuff if he's playing quarterback in Buffalo, that's just not going to happen. So if he's playing in Jacksonville, he doesn't get these opportunities he understands that from a business standpoint that if he's going to make 3 million less per year in Dallas i think he'd rather do that than make 3 more million in jacksonville
2: but he's able to subsidize um, think, his income a little bit
4: absolutely he is and and i think i think it's also a fact that this organization has expressed so much belief that they get, they basically pushed to the side a quarterback who had been to multiple pro bowls for Dak Prescott, and so I think there's part of him that understands that, and he's going to be the long-term future here. It's just whether he – I think he's going to have to wait to get that contract, which might just play in favor for him if he can put together a great year.
2: Okay, good for them, man. If they're able to stockpile wins while he's uh, getting him on the cheap for the first four years, more power to them. Uh, We love having you on. We love your insight. We want to invite you back on again to uh, you know break down – uh, you know all of the uh, draft talks uh, that are going to be, you know, lively in Dallas. I'm sure, and uh, we'll we'll reach back out to you. If you could first let our listeners know how they can follow you uh, on Twitter or on social media.
4: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I appreciate sure you guys having me at any time. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at saad 126 That's s a a d y o u s u f 126. And uh, as you guys know, as always, you can read me on the Athletic.
2: You're the man. Appreciate Thanks, having Dad. you on, Ted.
4: All right. Thank you,
2: guys. Stay with us. We'll take our last commercial break and wrap up the show with some more Super Bowl talk and maybe some Game of Thrones. Stay with us.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. channel. Perfect Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 Or send an email to Mike at com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: <laughs> Mike? Game of Thrones is coming up, and I'm very excited because you and I discussed uh, what we're going to do this year for the final um, Game of Thrones season. Every week when Game of Thrones comes on on Sunday, for the final 15 minutes, 10 minutes, final segment of our show, we're going to talk about the new episode that just came out. So everyone will have, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to watch the episode We'll do it at the end of the show, so that way, if you haven't watched it yet or you don't want a spoiler, you can, you know, listen to the sports stuff at the very beginning for the first three segments, and that last segment we'll do uh we'll do Game of Thrones stuff. So I'm excited about that,
2: Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited OCR about too. that too. And hey, I'd love to be able to get somebody from the cast. I don't care we who it is, it to be able to come onto the show. If any listener out there, somebody in the Twitterverse, maybe there's an agent with one of the the, the big uh, firms, CAA or or whatnot, and, that might rep one of these guys. We'd love to bring one of these. Guys guys on See our if show so i can so. reach
1: out to a couple of the people at the ringer i don't know if you've ever heard of the the podcast binge mode and uh, really I not good heard binge mode, no. and uh mallory rubin and uh jason conception they are uh the they are the hosts of the show they went through are they, like they in
2: house uh, for the ringer uh, game of thrones gurus or something yeah and then there are big sports
1: people too you know they cover all the different sports stuff but they it, they had read all the books so they cover every episode ever really detailed like hour long for every single episode and it's one it's good if you're like re-watching them it's good to just like listen to in the background because it really helps you with like learning the names and the families and stuff which can mm-hmm. get a little bit confusing sometimes mm-hmm. but they're great and there's some crossover too because they're big sports people so maybe we can get one of the, fo- the folks there because the ringer does a really good job covering game of thrones in particular um and like post shows and stuff like that so yeah that'd be pretty you
2: know, cool uh, i'd also like to know what the uh what major differences there are between the book and the uh, show. I don't know. Do you ever watch, after the episode, when you have a couple of like the writers and directors or whatnot that kind of talk about the last episode, do you ever watch that segment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And and I think they that, mentioned like, a couple of times how maybe they did something a little bit different than the book. Have you have you kind of noticed that or heard heard that when they? Yeah, mentioned Yeah. That? And, th- and that's what's great when you have uh, when you hear from them, because
1: uh, they will instantly say this was different. This wasn't yep. it's the tone of this person. Their character is a little bit different. They weren't met like they weren't made out this way in this or they didn't even they skipped this whole part and now I think they're off book now. You know, they're I think they're to the point where there weren't they're not going they're like basically the new stuff is being created. So Okay, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Okay yeah, I think they I think they hit the point about uh um, last season, I think, where they were off, off. Is that now because just George kind
2: of R. R. Martin hasn't written it? Finished yet? them,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. He hasn't made the next one come yet. So, uh, he hasn't completed the completed it yet. So uh, we'll be will be really fun. Such a great show. Yeah, uh, maybe we could do a pool or something like that yeah, as well. we'll if, if People are interested. There aren't as many because I will say, man, I love. I'm a, I'm a binge Netflix, Amazon, Hulu shows on all you know Showtime, HBO, all over. TV is better now than it's ever been before it's just like a, it's produced by, it's, far. It's a, by a higher level and it's written it, you know like like fi- like feature films it's so good so sure. but, but in that there's so few like of the i have to watch this on Sunday or Thursday shows like it used to be you know yes. everybody would watch tune in on Thursday night or Saturday Sunday night to watch a big show and then everybody would know about it the next Oh week. yeah For for me,
2: it was it was it was Sunday nights, HBO, Sopranos, Entourage, and then Eastbound and down got into the mix. I mean, even way back when I was younger, it was a a TGIF on
1: Friday nights. You know, they would have like, um, you know, Family Matters and Full House and uh, and Step by Step. And some of those shows, they'd put them all together. As you mentioned, the Sunday night programming has gotten unbelievable on TV nowadays. So it's really cool when you have like. The Walking Dead was kind of like that for a little while. I never really got too into it, but uh, it, I was
2: never into um,
1: it. It's cool when there's only a few shows like this left that people will still want to watch immediately, right
2: when they come yes. out, and then like talk about them, the water cooler show. So yep, um, where we'll everybody go. watches, everybody knows about it. There's a, it's it's on one of those things like, oh, I've never heard of it or anything like that. No, By no. the way, let me recommend a show to you and our listeners. I stumbled on it, upon it on Netflix. Called Medici. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. Get this. Rob Stark is in it. um What's his name? uh Frey. Oh, okay.
1: Uh, uh, ed- uh, Edward Frey. The elder one. Uh,
2: uh, what's his name? The, the elder one. Yes, he's nice. in it. Nice. Uh, who else is in it? Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a or blank. Walter. Note.
1: Walter. It's, was it was Walter a Walter Frey. Frey. Walter. There you go.
2: Walter Frey. Yeah. There's three or four so far. I'm only into like the fourth episode. Okay, cool. uh, Game of Thrones people that are that are in this, and it is really, really good. The setting is like a 14th or 15th century Italy. Big tie-in with the Catholic Church. You're talking about Watch a local banker and his family, and some of the things that a banker had to deal with during back in the day. They were very involved in in the church and in war and Really, a fascinating show. And I'm just watching it. I'm like, I'm watching uh, Rob Stark. You know, I know it's yeah. really cool. It's, it's, it's great. It's, my, it's got, uh, my, yeah. my new one
1: right now is uh, I just got hooked on suits. So I'm, I'm rattling through suits. I like it. It's, it's actually really good. And the one thing I've learned too, uh, as we're talking TV, is like nowadays you can't be swayed by what network something is on. It's like the show You that I really liked was started on Lifetime. If you would have told me like a show that's really good that I'd be interested in was on Lifetime, I'd have kind of laughed. I would have probably been like, "Nah, that's not that's not necessarily my uh, my style." But uh, and, and um, you know, so so don't be if if you see a show that's like on a different network or or one like for me, I was like, "Oh, USA, okay, I watch wrestling on here, but I don't know." And then Mister Robot's good on USA too. So um, man, yeah, well, there's kind of funny.
2: A there's a lot of like free agency, if you will, with these shows. Yeah, you know, even like moving Alaska around. King- Last Kingdom, which is a show that I absolutely love on Netflix, that started off at BBC and even on like network TV, we saw that Brooklyn Nine Nine went from Fox to oh, NBC, I love C Nine Nine. It's a great right? show. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that going on. I don't really understand there's or know so the dynamics of now. that, but you know, yeah.
1: with the with the streaming services
2: too, and with like with
1: as sure. much money that Netflix is putting in, and even Amazon and stuff, it's just there's just a lot of options for different um, for different things that might not be like a network show. You know, exactly. like for something that might not oh yeah ABC's not gonna get green like this but you know what let's go to Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or one of those so uh yeah we're in a great golden age of uh, of TV and entertainment in that sense and with the with the last few minutes Mike and we know I know we hate doing this but we really gotta give a little bit of uh of props to the Patriots for what they did again yeah
2: and yeah exactly. it's, it's, I, I,
1: it's like this year wasn't a year where all year they looked like themselves. They weren't as talented. I mean, as the final four teams, they were the least talented on paper, just of the four. Um, and it's just you scratch your head a little bit. You you wonder kind of why, how, but the common denominator it's it's Brady and Belichick.
2: Yeah, you know, and I awarded the MVP to uh, Wade Phillips on 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 that side. I'm actually going to give it to uh, Brian Flores uh, on the Patriots side. Miami Dolphins head coach now. Yes, he did an incredible job. First of all, offensively, I'll just quickly say that, you know, Edelman and later on Gronk in the game, his yak was almost like old school. But they found space in the Rams zone. Rams couldn't stop it. And that's really why New England won along with the Rams' offensive ineptitude. But – New England was really able to control the game by picking on the soft spot in that you know in the spacing within the Rams zone but going back to the defensive side of the ball I heard that Brian Flores went back and studied the Rams game against the Lions and they were able to find a way to take away that play action that you mentioned earlier on in the show on first and second down and They took away the longs. explosive plays. Yeah. Keep in mind the Rams had 120 explosive plays this year and they had none in the game. The Rams loved but, that was there, jet... like one play in the red zone for both teams. Isn't that what it was? Yeah, I think so. I think so. One or two. Um, it was nothing, but the Ram, the, the, the Patriots are able impressive. to take away that jet sweep. The Rams loved that jet sweep. They executed it so well during the regular season, but the Patriots used that 6-1 front, uh, the they one-stack linebacker, and, and they negated the, the Rams' jet sweeps, resulting in McVay abandoning them entirely in the second half. I think they even only used one jet sweep in the entire second half. So, MVP to me, Brian Flores. I agree. Uh, I mean both of them said the both of the defensive coordinators. Yes, they they, actually, the,
0: they, the they two
1: coached teams. such winning games for their teams. Yes. They put their teams in great I mean, the the really crazy thing is that this was a three three game with like eight minutes to go in the game. Sure. It wasn't even you know, it and and that's what it was from a, for a Rams fan, which was scary, is that but but you're in the game, you know, and it's like You're watching this game going, man, it feels like we're down by 30 points right now. And all we have to do is make a play and you're in the game. They you were know, in the game score-wise, but, but the, not the, they were they just, just getting to
2: dominate the game kind of through and through. But, hey, I think you had hope as a Rams fan because it seemed like the Saints were dominating and the Rams came back to win. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that every Rams fan was like, hey, we've seen this before. We're going to come back. We're going to win this game. They absolutely could have. I'm going to say something controversial real fast. We only have about a minute and a half to go. Doesn't really uh, give it a, a fair amount of discourse time. Maybe we could pick up on it next week, which is, Brady and how you evaluate Brady. Obviously, six and three in the Super Bowls, that's never going to be touched. I made mention of something like this on Twitter. It actually ended up getting a lot of uh, feed, uh, you know, yeah. back and forth discussion on it. I got blocked by somebody because of <laughs> it. But my whole thing was... There are a lot of quarterbacks that could have won this game this last Sunday. Sure, sure. And some of the other. I mean, Jared Goff could have
1: won his game playing terrible. Sure. You know. So,
2: so how do we evaluate? Maybe we can uh, pick up on that next week. I know you made mention of something that was pretty key, which is well, but he maybe those games, yeah. But you mentioned he got them there over all these years so consistently, and I think that can't be lost in the equation.
1: Ten, I think, in the playoffs, and I think I think there's like thirteen buys.
2: Which is another, it's like, that's it's a win. You know what yeah, I mean? That's like, unbelievable. You know, the buy is a win.
1: So, this is a We've fun We got to so give like, that like, the two yeah.
2: props, definitely. Maybe we could pick up on that a little bit next let's, week yeah, since so we're going to have let's more time it. to talk about things. So, uh, good show, Gino. Appreciate having Sad on and Alex on. We'll pick up on some more NBA, Brady, talk a little baseball, Game of Thrones. Thanks for listening. See you guys next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time.
0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.